0: Good morning, everyone. I know we have some folks that are joining us online. Uh, Whether you're in the room or online this morning, we're thankful that you've joined us today. I know this next week is fall break for a number of our area school districts, uh, and a number of our church family is out of town as a result of that. And so uh, some of those folks might be the ones that are tuning in online, but I want to uh, thank all of you for being here today. Uh, We're going to be in Daniel chapter 9 in just a minute. You want to be looking there in your Bible, or you can be kind of preparing that, finding that on your phone. I want to mention one thing as we get started this morning. Uh, most of you know that uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Caesar and Lorena uh, Lopez were experienced a ha- and their family experienced a house fire and lost uh, basically everything in that. And uh, are, are here with us this morning. We're not able to be here last week because they were with family, but uh, have have written a note that they've asked me to read uh, to you all. It just says words cannot express how thankful we are. Uh, during this difficult time, thank you for your prayers and uplifting words. Uh, your generous donations have helped tremendously on the essentials that were needed. We were very fortunate to be a part of this church family in sign Caesar and Lorena. And so, uh, we we in case you missed the opportunity to do that and you still want to, we collected uh, cash and gift cards last week. I think the basket might still be out of the connections booth, but uh, we we're hoping to be able to have some opportunity. That was the immediate need that they had, and we suspect that they'll be future needs that we can help meet as well and want to surround them. And so in just a minute, I'm going to pray and have you stand. Uh, if any of you are near the Lopez family, you can, can uh, put a hand on them and we'll pray. I'll pray for that as well. Uh, since the beginning of the school year, we have been studying the book of Daniel. And, uh, and we have this Sunday and next Sunday, and we're going to finish up this study after that, and uh, before we pray, I just want to mention to you, I, I hope it's been as meaningful a study for you as it has been for me. It's not typically a book of the Bible that gets studied a lot. And so I think for a lot of us, it's taken us back to some stories that maybe we've known or heard. Uh, if you grew up in church, you're kind of familiar with in some way, but kind of had, had a chance to revisit some familiar stories. And then last week and this week and next week, we're kind of in the second half of Daniel, which is really less familiar territory in a lot of ways uh, for the book, of, for what people know about the book of Daniel, and so, I, if you've missed any of those sermons, they're all on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. You can find them on the podcast. But um, it's been a really encouraging study to me, and some 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 significant takeaways that I'm sure will come out in other things that I'll say uh, have have shaped me as I've had an opportunity to study and then teach this book. Uh, and as a, a few weeks ago, I started thinking about how to end this series, how I wanted to do that, and I knew that I wanted to do something to kind of capture the spirit of the book of Daniel that we've been talking about really over the last couple of months. Uh, And so I want to kind of give you a heads up, an advanced week, a week advanced advanced notice that next Sunday we're going to spend part of our time uh, praying together as a church. Um, There's been a theme of prayer that has emerged in the book of Daniel. That's going to show up again today. Uh, and, and, and as I started thinking about the end of this series uh, I wanted to do that together as a church Spend some time praying together And so we've done things like this before But there'll be some prayer places around the room Where you can go to pray uh, You'll be invited to stay in your seat If you want to do that as well But uh, I'll explain more about that next week But i am telling you about it now I want to give you kind of advanced notice Give you a heads up about that Because I want to invite you to come ready for that uh, I know this, this is not a judgmental statement here, but I know that many of us had very full weeks. We had very full Saturdays. And you kind of drag in sometimes on a Sunday morning. Can I get an amen from anybody? Yeah, and sometimes sometimes you drag in on a Sunday morning. And, and while I wish it was never that way for any of us, the reality is uh, I, I had a long day yesterday and late night and early morning. And so you kind of drag, you come in and there's, and you're still, you know, Carrying all of that, and I know what happens as a result of that is that sometimes, no judgment again, we don't come ready for worship. Like we have to kind of get geared up for it once we get here, right? And 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 that happens over the course of the hour or so that we're in here together, as we sing, as we share communion, as we study. But I'm kind of telling you about what we're going to do next Sunday, so you can, you know, when you, you you'll probably forget about it after I say it today. But maybe, you know, when you're when, you're, when you wake up next Sunday morning, you'll go, oh yeah, I remember that Doug said that thing about coming ready for worship. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Come expectant uh, that God will move and work among us uh, as we as we conclude this study in the book of Daniel. I think uh, there's an important word for, that we'll look at in the last part of Daniel uh, that will help us kind of capture our thoughts, and then we'll end, end by spending some time in prayer. So that's. I wanted to make that announcement. I wanted to mention Caesar and Lorena and their family. I want to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to pray. <clears throat> if you're near them and you want to put a hand on them to encourage them, you can do that. Uh, and then we will <clears throat> we'll jump into Daniel chapter nine. <clears throat> Father, we come this morning thankful <clears throat> for the chance to gather. As a church family, we pray for all of our church family this morning that is uh, traveling or out of town due to the, the fall break that many of our families that have students in school uh, are experiencing this next week, and we pray you'll watch over them as people go to various places, that you'll bring them back safely. As we gather this morning, God, we pray that you'll prepare our hearts and minds as we study your word together, <clears throat> that you'll give us eyes to see and ears to to hear all that uh, you want us to see and hear. Uh, God, I pray this morning that uh, you will surround uh, Caesar and Lorena and their family. You'll be with Alondra and Santiago and Sebastian, their kids, and the uh, this tragic fire that they have experienced. And we are grateful in a small way And we have had lots of people in their uh, family community and in this community uh, that have also surrounded them. And we're grateful to be a part of that group that surrounds and loves on and cares for them and we just pray that as they walk the next uh, few days and weeks and months ahead and that you'll give them wisdom about what to do next and how to proceed uh, with the things that they have just experienced um, and we're grateful for uh, the promise that we are never alone <clears throat> that you walk with us through difficulty like this in life and we pray that your blessing upon them today that you'll wrap your arms of love and care around them that our hands upon them will represent the care of a larger family of faith uh, that cares very much for their family. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all can have a seat. So we're going to jump right in to Daniel chapter 9. This is where we're going to be today. Beginning in verse 1, this is what it says. It says in the first year of Darius son of Xerxes Darius who was made ruler by the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign I Daniel understood from script from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years now I want to stop right there really quickly And I want to kind of give a little bit of backstory, remind us of the backstory about where we are. this is a kind of a summary here really quickly. I'm going to show you a summary slide. In the year 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, who you've heard me talk about, you can go to the next slide, uh, leader of Babylon, conquers Jerusalem, and some of the Jews living in Jerusalem are carried off to Babylon. They're deported, they're exiled to Babylon against their will, and Daniel is one of those people. And the story that I have been repeating of the of the book of Daniel is a story really of Daniel and other Jews who were taken off into exile, learning to live in a place that is not their home. How do you how do you live as a follower of God in a pagan nation? How do you live as a follower of God in a place that is not interested in helping you follow God? And they have long, they have waited, they have wanted desperately the opportunity to return to Jerusalem. They, they had hoped that whenever Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem that, that it would ju- they would just be away for a short while, but it's turned out that that's not been the case. They would, they've been a- away for a long period of time. They, would ho- they were hoping that Nebuchadnezzar would change his mind and say, you guys, just go on back. It's okay, I've, I've conquered everything that I can conquer. Now you guys can go back to your home. That eventually happens, but it hasn't been as quick as they have wanted. Days turn into weeks and weeks turn into years. And by the point we arrive at at the end of Daniel, Daniel is an older man and he's still living in Babylon. But I want to look again at what he says, specifically that last part. He says, In the first year of Darius's reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to the prophet Jeremiah, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last. 70 years. So Daniel is an older man and he remembers something. He remembers something that the prophet Jeremiah said years before. He recalls that Jeremiah said that they, they would only be in Babylon for 70 years. He's thinking about places like Jeremiah 29:10, the verse right before the famous verse, Jeremiah 29:11. In Jeremiah 29:10, it says, this is what Jeremiah says. He's proclaiming the word of the Lord. So he says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Jer- Daniel is thinking about verses like this, words like this that the prophet Jeremiah has spoken. But this, this moment that we're reading, it happened when? Did you catch it? In Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 in the first year of Darius. And that's an important historical note because Darius is from the nation of Persia, not the nation of Babylon. And if it's the first year of Darius' reign, that's a really fancy way, kind of a Bible way of saying that Persia is in charge now. Babylon is no longer in charge. And if Persia is in charge, that means Babylon is not in charge. And so Daniel is beginning to wonder, hmm, When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, well, Babylon's not in charge anymore, so maybe the 70 years has come to an end, and he's thinking about the timeline, and he's thinking about his life and how long he's been in Babylon, and he's beginning to wonder if maybe, maybe they're about to get to go back to Jerusalem. And so he sees all of this take place, and he starts thinking that these 70 years must be close, right? That's what Jeremiah said after all, right? Right? It would just last 70 years. And so he thinks maybe we're done with this exile, living in this place that isn't our home. We've been here for close to 70 years. Jeremiah said 70 years. Maybe, maybe it's about time to go home. So you can understand as you think about this that Daniel is understandably excited about all this. He's, he's waited for this moment. He's wanted to go back. He's longed for the chance to go back home. But he's an older man now. And so what does he decide to do? He decides to pray. And this morning we're going to look at his prayer and his experience in this prayer. And this is what he says in prayer, beginning in verse 4. He says, he begins by saying, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. It goes on like this for a while if you keep reading in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel basically says, God, I know we messed up. We, we have messed up. We worshiped idols when we were back in Jerusalem. That's part of why you allowed Babylon to come and conquer us and drag some of us off to Babylon. We turned our backs on you. And we understand that that all of this that we're experiencing in this foreign place has come upon us because of our own decisions. We were wicked and we had sinned. It's basically a long prayer of repentance, a long prayer of apology to God. And then he continues his prayer. He says, After these words, he says, But you, O God, are merciful and forgiving. We have messed up, but you are merciful and forgiving. You keep your covenant of love, so remember us. And then this is how he ends his prayer in verse 17. He says, Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name, referring to Jerusalem. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. It's essentially like Daniel is saying, Lord, you, you know, of all things, of all beings, you know that you're merciful, and you know that you're kind, and you know that you're loving, and really it would be great for us, but it would also be great for you and for your name if you, if you hadn't noticed that this 70-year period is about to come, come, come upon us, and it'd be great for us, but it'd be really great for your name too because the city bears your name and we bear your name if you would remember your promise and you would take us back home. It's almost like he's reminding God, right? In case you forgot, God, Jeremiah said 70 years, and it's been almost 70 years. So for your sake and because of your great mercy, hear my prayer and act on our behalf. And understandably, in the midst of what would have been an incredibly challenging time, it's easy to kind of distance yourself from this story and not really connect to it. But just imagine if someone conquered this city and drug all of you off from your home and you lived in the place where they took you for most of your life. You would long every day. You would wake up wanting to get back here, right? This is the way Daniel feels. This is what he wants. And in the midst of an incredibly challenging lot time, in the midst of an ongoing desire that is not being fulfilled, Daniel's response is to pray. And if you've heard me preach other sermons in this series, you know this, this is kind of par for the course for Daniel. This is kind of what Daniel does. He, he seems to respond in prayer. This is a common response from him. He's asking God to do what God promised to do through the prophet Jeremiah. And while he's praying, the craziest thing happens. An angel comes to him. Has that ever happened to anybody? Like while you're praying, an angel just appears? That's never happened to me, but it would be awesome if it did. It would also be terrifying, but it would be awesome. And I wish that an angel would show up when I prayed, right? He's, he's laying it all out before the Lord. The, the writer Eugene Peterson in the message translation of the Bible that he put together, he, he, he phrases it this way. He said, Daniel is absorbed in praying. Daniel is absorbed in prayer. I, I love that. I, I want that for my life and for your life, for our church, to be absorbed in prayer. What would it look like for our lives to be absorbed in prayer, for prayer to be the, the first response that we have when a difficult situation happens in life. For prayer to be our default response, that we want to see God work in our lives and in the world, that's Daniel's default response. And while he is praying, an angel shows up and it's the angel Gabriel. And this is what Gabriel says to Daniel beginning in verse 21. Daniel says while I was still in prayer Gabriel the man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice he instructed me and he said Daniel i have have now come to give you insight and understanding as soon as you begin to pray a word went out which i have come to tell to let to, which i have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Jeremiah said, it was going to be seven years, 70 years, and so Daniel begins praying, and it's because it's getting close. And as soon as he starts praying, then the angel Gabriel appears, and Gabriel says, when you started praying, they sent me to you. It's not the point of my sermon, but I think it's an important note for all of us to make that something is happening when you pray that you and I cannot see and might not ever see, right? And that we need to remember that in prayer. I think it's a really powerful image. That we see in Daniel chapter nine, and I got, it's not the point of my sermon, so I got to stop talking about it, or I'll get off on it. But I think I want you to—I want you to think about it some more. That when you pray and when I pray, something is happening in the spiritual realm that you and I do not see. Gabriel says, "As soon as you started praying, a word went out, and that's why I'm here. God is working in your prayers, even if you don't see it. I guess it is kind of the point of where I'm going to go in just a minute." And after, But then after Gabriel says this, that, I, that this is why I've come to you, they sent me to you, then he says, this is my words, he says, I'm also here for another reason. I've, I've come to explain something to you. He says, you know that 70 years thing that Jeremiah said? Well, it isn't 70 years. It's 77s. It's like 70 weeks. It's really 70 weeks of seven. It's like 490 maybe. It's like it's, it's you know, if you, and if you're, if you're familiar with your Bible, you'll remember a place where Jesus referenced 70 times 7, and so there's a lot of speculation, which is, again, not the point of the sermon, but there's a lot of speculation about what the numbers mean and how to interpret them, and I would suggest that it's not so much about, it's not so much about the specific numbers, right, because this obviously would have been confusing for Daniel. Part of what I think Gabriel is doing here is he's clarifying for Daniel Jeremiah's words from before. Gabriel is essentially saying the point wasn't the specific number. You were really focused, Daniel, on 70 years, but the point wasn't the specific number. The point was that this exile that you're experiencing when you were dragged off from Jerusalem and now you're living in Babylon, it's going to last a lifetime. In other words, the point about the figure 70 wasn't to designate a precise time so that we might count down the days, right? People get really fascinated with end times prophecy and thinking about when the world is going to come to an end, and usually it's always going to be, you know, immediately. It's never going to be like 100 years from now or 3,000 years from now. Nobody ever says it's going to be that far away. And I think that the point that it's not to mark a day on a calendar, it's not so we can debate 68 or 69 or 70 or 71 years and, and what happened. You know, it's, it's not, I think that's not, that's not the point. The point is to signify, this is the way Jesus uses 70 times 7, right, when he's talking about forgiveness. What's the point? How many times are you supposed to give? Only, only 70 times 7? And then I'm done forgiving? No, he's, he's making a point to say, keep forgiving forever. Until you have, you have no breath in your lungs, you continue forgiving. And here we see a number, these same numbers used in a similar way to say this exile that you want to come to an end, it's actually going to last a whole lot longer than you thought it was. It's It's intended to signify something like a lifetime. Gabriel says, you might have missed the point counting down the days. God's timeline is bigger than you have imagined. You're going to be away from Jerusalem and living in Babylon a while longer. In fact, Some will spend their entire lives there. So just again, imagine Daniel dragged off from his home. This is the message that comes to him from Gabriel. How do you think this message lands with Daniel? He's an older guy. Again, he's been waiting on God to do something. In his case, bring his people out of Israel, only to find out now that the waiting is not over. You ever had this happen? How would you react if you thought you only had a couple more years to go, lit, go on living in Babylon, only to, that it turned out that you were nowhere close to the end? Better yet, how would you react if you were waiting for God to do something in some other situation in your life, and the answer didn't come, and you had to keep waiting? And this is what I want to spend our last few minutes thinking about, waiting, this idea of waiting, waiting on God specifically. Because when you're waiting, when we're waiting on something, we have to have patience, right? And patience is hard, isn't it? To, to help us think about patience and waiting, I want to look again at what Gabriel says to Daniel in verse 23. He says, As soon as you begin to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Gabriel says, Daniel, before I tell you anything else, I want to tell you that you're greatly loved. Some translations say you're highly esteemed, which is another way of saying you're greatly loved. What do you do when your calculations about God's timing are way off? What do you do when you think it's going to be 70 and it turns out to be 70 times 7? 70 sevens. 70 weeks of 7. Whichever one you want to pick. That would have been, I think, nice to have been clearer on, don't you think? Like, why didn't Jeremiah just say 70, I mean 70 times 7, 77s, right? I have a theory about that that's maybe because we're only told what we need to know in the moment. But, again, probably more time to talk about that another time. But when 70 years turns out to be 77s, that is the moment when you have to have patience with God. That is the moment when you, have, you realize that you have to wait on God to act. And you and I can have patience. We are, we are equipped by the Spirit of God to have patience, to wait for God to act in those moments when we, are, when we realize our timeline is different than God's through one primary reason. You know what it is? You are greatly loved. You are so loved by God You can be patient with God because you are loved by God. It's important to note that this is how Gabriel starts his his speech to Daniel, right? He begins by acknowledging, wanting Daniel to know how deeply loved that he is by God, that God sees him and he sees his situation. God never promises a quick fix. We live in a world where everything is instant. And, of course, as a result, we have all been conditioned to want everything now, if not sooner. right? To satisfy our impatience, we have created meals that can be microwaved. We have created rice that can cook in one minute. How impatient are we that we need rice cooked in one minute? There's a comedian that talks about warming up Pop-Tarts, Brian Regan. He's, he's like the instructions on the box say, you know, that you can toast it in a toaster oven for two minutes or you can microwave it in one minute. And he makes the point that if your schedule is so tight that you can't cook your Pop-Tart in two minutes and you need to revert to the microwave instructions one minute, you might need to loosen up your schedule. Right? And I think that's sort of the way that we live. We live in a, pl- in a time when TV shows can be binge watched. You don't have to wait till next week like they had to do in the dark ages. You can watch the entire show right now if you want to. And we have demanded these things, and so people have given them to us. And as a result, what I want us to see is that it has impacted our lives because we also want our problems fixed like that. We want God to change our lives and our family's life like that, too. And we want it to be as pain free as possible when God does act. But God never promises a quick fix. What God promises, church, is endless love. And as a result of that, the promise is that everything is going to be all right. This is what Paul says. this is how Paul says it in Romans chapter eight. He says, "For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord." And this is what Daniel 9 teaches us that God is not, it, this is a hard. maybe a hard truth to swallow, but I think it's true. God is not as concerned with fixing the world quickly, right away, at, not as concerned as we are about that. You're fixing your life, addressing your pain or your issue right away. And the reality is that God's time, God isn't disinterested in that, it's just that God's timeline is different than ours. God has always worked slowly. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what we see over and over and over. It's still the case. Nothing ever changed, just culture changed. And culture began to tell us that it was possible to do things quickly, and and so we began to impose that upon God. And this is essentially what Daniel is saying. God, wake up. It's time. It's about time. Right? We don't like to think of our heroes like Daniel probably, but that prayer, if you go back and listen to it, he's, he's remind, like, okay, it's time to act. Remember, remember your promise. It's still the case that God works slowly. So if you're waiting for the situation or circumstance to change, waiting for the news to come, waiting for the apology, waiting for the job opportunity, waiting for things to turn around in your family, with your marriage, with your kids, waiting to get clearer about what your future plans are going to be, waiting for that person's heart to change or this person's heart to change, waiting for your heart to change, waiting for a prayer to be answered that you've been praying for a long time or your health to improve or things to slow down or waiting for the answer to come finally. God's word for you today is this, you are loved. That's God's word to you today. Again, but the reality is that Americans are impatient people. And I want to, I want to encourage us, exhort us would be the, other, the actual older word that nobody ever uses anymore. But I want to exhort us to think about the fact that what is happening to all of us, me, I'll be the first to admit it and confess, is that we are being formed by our culture more than we are by God. We're taught to be the way we are. It is the script that we are all reading from. And I don't, want us to, I don't want us to read it without having some wisdom and discernment about the fact that that's the script being put in front of you every day when you wake up, is that you don't have to slow down. Just keep going. Put your foot harder down on the gas and never slow down, never practice rest or Sabbath or never take a break, never, never, never breathe, right? And expect everything to be quick and fast and hurried and the pace that you keep to be rushed. But the story of the Bible forms us in a different way. We are invited as Christians to to consider Christ and to recognize and wrestle with this, this promise that Paul talked about. Do we believe that this love is enough for us? Even if the answer doesn't come at the timeline that we want. Right? Like Daniel, we live in a place that is not our home. And when Gabriel says it's going to work out in the end, an end will be put to sin. That's that part of the the chapter. Everlasting righteousness will come. That sounds good, right? And that happened in Jesus Christ. Christ has come and Christ is coming back. And this is what we believe. And until then, we keep waiting. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start our Advent season when this is what we celebrate for a month during Advent. That God has come in Christ, but the world is not the way that God imagined that it would be quite yet. That Christ's coming and his death and his resurrection inaugurated this life. And it, and it set things in motion, but things are not the way that they will be one day. And so we continue waiting. We are living this life that Daniel has been praying about. And we're like, when is it when, God? How long? And God's word to us is not an answer. It's that you're loved. The work isn't completed. We are all a long-term project. Our world is a long-term project. But God can and will transform our lives. God can and will transform the world if we are willing to let it happen, willing to be a part of making it happen. In fact, it will, for all of us, literally take our lifetime to be complete. You know, Daniel never goes back to Jerusalem. I think that's an important thing to note. His prayer doesn't get answered the way that he wants it, the way he hoped it would. But he never gives up to the very end, which we'll see next week. He never gives up. He remains faithful to God And he can do this because he knows that God is with him and that God loves him, that he is greatly loved, that he is highly esteemed. And you, church, are greatly loved and highly esteemed by God. This is what God said to the world when he sent Christ to die for us. You are deeply loved and highly esteemed. That's what Jesus on the cross communicates. Whatever you are going through, waiting on God to answer, to acknowledge you, to recognize, to act on your behalf, know that while you wait, you are greatly loved and that God is not through yet with whatever it is that's going on. And trust in the slow work of God. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to end, as we have been the last several weeks, praying this Lord's Prayer together, which helps us, I think, in our waiting. Let's pray out loud these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts.